Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. This is the Jayhawker Talker podcast, a podcast affiliated with the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Mark Van Sickle, and before we dive into today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, download, review this podcast, spread the word, tell five of your friends who are Jayhawk fans, and let's expand the reach of this podcast. So let's get rolling with today's episode. First off, Congrats to the Lady Jayhawks on winning the WNIT. We talked about it a little bit last week on the podcast, how they reached the final four, the fab four of the WNIT, and they got there all the way to the championship game to face Columbia on Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. They got to host the uh, the, the finals, which is rare in a, in a college setting, usually on the men's side, of course, uh, in the NIT they go to a variety of places. They were in New York at Madison Square Garden last year. This year it was in Vegas. And so for the ladies to be able to host the WNIT championship at home in Lawrence against Columbia was a huge advantage. And they got that 66-59 win over Columbia on Saturday. And I was actually able to attend the game with my girls, which was a cool moment. It was their first big experience uh, seeing a D1 women's basketball game. So I'm really excited for my girls to have been able to experience that. And I know that a lot of you out there as well were able to experience what we did. And that was 12,000 other Jayhawk fans out there cheering and celebrating these Lady Jayhawks for what they did. It was an incredible uh, turnout, and it was loud in there. You guys were really the uh, the sixth man. You really were. And I know that they talk about Allen Fieldhouse being the greatest atmosphere in college basketball, which for the men, you know that they have one of the most storied programs in college basketball history. But for these ladies to have the experience of all those fans out there and my daughter, my youngest daughter, her her ears were ringing. So half the game, she's sitting there covering her ears. That's how loud you guys were out there. And I got a picture of her and she was having a good time. She was having fun with it. But it was just so loud in there. It was it was really like going to a men's game. There's no other way I can say it because obviously the men's game sells out every time. The ladies are trying to work up to that level, and getting 12,000 fans out there in a 16,000-seat venue was absolutely incredible. So great job, Jayhawk fans. You were fantastic. And seeing all the support that these ladies got to bring home their first-ever WNIT title to Allen Fieldhouse, it was incredible. Again, a great game, 66-59 win over Columbia. And I think that these Lady Jayhawks are really onto something here. They could return a majority of their starters. There's a couple seniors, but they could. Uh, there's a COVID waiver that these college athletes have been able to use the last few years if they were in college during that year of COVID where they had to cancel the end of the season. So, the Lady Jayhawks could be bringing back a majority of their starters for next year. And they were actually a little bit screwed in the tournament this year. They should have been in the women's tournament, the women's NCAA tournament. Uh, they were relegated to the WNIT. And so that was the the invitational for teams that didn't make the women's uh, tournament. So they're going to have a little bit of fire in their bellies. They did in that WNIT tournament. They dominated their way from start to finish in that tournament. And so it was just a great job by the ladies. 
Again, congrats to the Lady Jayhawks on getting that WNIT championship. So let's shift over to the men's basketball. Of course, their season was cut short. They were the one seed in the West bracket in the NCAA men's tournament. They lost in the second round 72-71 to the Arkansas Razorbacks. And it was unfortunate, but Bill Self wasn't able to coach in the first or second round of the tournament. He wasn't able to coach in the Big 12 tournament. That was... Uh, a bit, it ended up being a big deal, uh, Bill Self not being able to coach in the tournament because the Jayhawks were up by 10 points in the second half against Arkansas, were unable to hold on to that lead. They had never led by 10 points or more in a tournament game in the Bill Self era and lost that game. So that was a huge factor. Uh, Bill Self, one of the best coaches in college basketball, had his uh, heart issue. He had a procedure that was done, so they didn't want him rushing back too soon. Allegedly, if the Jayhawks would have made the Sweet 16, Bill Self would have coached in it, which would have been a Kansas versus UConn Sweet 16 matchup. UConn ended up winning the national championship. So congrats to UConn on winning the national championship. But I wonder what would have happened if Bill Self would have coached that game against Arkansas, if Kansas would have beat Arkansas, which I do think they would have done, what would have happened in that Sweet 16 matchup against Connecticut? And it's always going to be a what if, especially in Jayhawk Nation. What if Bill Self would have coached? Could they have beat UConn? Could they have gone on and won back-to-back national championships? UConn was an absolute beast in this tournament. They won every game by at least 10 points or more. That's the first time that's ever happened where a national champion dominated their way to a NCAA championship like that. So there's no guarantee the Jayhawks would have beat UConn. It would have been a tough game. I think it would have been a closer game. But it is a concern for the Jayhawks going forward with Coach Self. How is he going to bounce back from this heart issue? Is he going to be able to go out on the road full-time? How are things going to play out? Of course, he said he was going to go coach in the Sweet 16, but... We really don't know for sure if that would have happened. That was his hope. But would he have been able to do it? We don't know. Coaching at the highest level in college athletics is in one of the most high-profile programs is a stress-inducing job. There is nothing easy about coaching a high-profile place like Kansas, especially in basketball. And having a heart-related issue will always be on the radar for Bill Self going forward. You hate to say it. You hate to see it. You hope that everything's okay from here on out, and hopefully he will be at full health next season, but you don't know for sure, and that's going to be something on the Jayhawks' mind, all Jayhawks fans, and just surrounding the program. Everybody wants to see if he can do it. Everybody knows how good of a coach he is, but can he come back from this? Uh, Everybody was hoping to see him in the Sweet 16 bounce back and be able to coach through it, but... Now we have to wait till next season. We're going to have a full off season talking about this. And of course, right after I got done recording the podcast last week, some KU basketball news break. So uh, not about Bill Self, but people are kind of bringing up Bill Self and his health issue because of all the transfers that have been going on. Do people inside the basketball program know something that we don't? That's what's going on. That's what the rumors and the talk is on the message boards. And so last week, right after I get done talking about the Jayhawks and some of the transfers that have been taking place, some of the transfer portal things that have been happening, KU lost 
Joseph Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, Zach Clements, and Cam Martin talked about that last week on the podcast. And then right after I get done recording last week, MJ Rice decided to announce that he was entering the transfer portal as well. So that's now five players total that have left the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program via the transfer portal. Five players that they weren't really a huge part of the team this year. Uh, Joseph Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford played some minutes toward the end of the season as the backup guard role. But like we talked about all season long, this was a team that was centered around the starting five. And you wanted to see how far you could go with the starting five. It ended up being they couldn't go very far. They needed more depth. You were hoping, we were hoping to see some of these guys stick around so that we could build upon the depth on the team. But you lose Joseph Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, Zach Clements, Cam Martin, and then last week, MJ Rice decided that he was going to the transfer portal as well. And then the day after the podcast release last week, some more news that really made us all sad. That's right. We got the official announcement from our guy that we cheered on all year long. The Phenom Freshman took the wind out of our sails when he announced it. Grady Dick announced that he is declaring for the NBA draft. And Dick left us longing for more after a stellar freshman year. We were hoping to see another season of Grady Dick. There were a few games down the stretch where Dick disappeared including losses in the Big 12 title game and the tourney loss to Arkansas. However, Dick flashed that ability all year long where he could hit from anywhere on the court. And the NBA values those players, those 6'8 sharpshooters that can get out there and hit from anywhere on the floor. So I don't hate what Grady Dick is doing here in leaving for the NBA draft after one season at Kansas. He showed more than enough that he could be a top 20 pick in the draft. I've seen him uh, all the way up to the 12 spot in mock drafts. So he's definitely going to be a lottery pick. Otherwise, I'm sure he'd come back to Kansas for another season with NIL, with being able to get paid for these NIL deals. I mean, he would not have been short on money. We'll just say that if he were to stay at Kansas. But he also showed a willingness as the season went along to be a better defender hustling after the loose balls, especially in February and March at the end of the season. He was getting a ton of rebounds down the stretch as well as hitting those three-pointers. So we will miss Dick, and we will never forget the good times and the memories that he brought to the Jayhawk fan base and to Jayhawk Nation. Uh, We will miss you, Grady Dick, but we will forever cheer for you in your next uh, stage in life. In the NBA, we'll cheer for you, we'll root for you, and you're always welcome back at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. You had a great season, and we will always remember the good times we had with Grady Dick. Also, along those lines, you have five transfers. You have Grady Dick announcing that he is going to the NBA. So that's six guys right there. And then you've got Jalen Wilson, who was the Julius Irving Award winner this year, the top small forward in all of college basketball. He is also likely, he hasn't declared yet, but he will likely be making an announcement soon about going to the NBA. He was a super junior 
Uh, he was a senior in age, but a junior in class. So he could come back for another season if he wanted to. But he could have gone to the NBA last year. So this was a final ride, I believe, for Jalen Wilson. And then, of course, Kevin McCullough Jr., likely heading to the NBA draft as well. He was a transfer from Texas Tech. He was a super senior as well. I guess there is a potential that Kevin McCullough Jr. could come back to the Jayhawks if he uses that COVID year eligibility. If he doesn't think that he can go very high in the draft, if he doesn't want to test going into the NBA draft this year and maybe wait another year, Kevin McCullough Jr. could come back. But it's looking like you're going to be losing eight guys from this last year's roster. You're going to be losing Joseph Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, Zach Clements, Cam Martin, and MJ Rice to the transfer portal. And then Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, and Kevin McCuller heading to the NBA in all likelihood. So that is a lot of names that are going to be lost from this last year's Jayhawks team. Losing eight guys is just a lot. Now, Kansas did that last year as well, and they ended up winning the Big 12 regular season title in the Big 12. They win the conference. They end up getting the one seed in the West. So Bill Self can do a good retooling job. He can. He can get out there. He can convince guys that are in the transfer portal to come to Kansas. It's a really easy sell job for Bill Self to be able to get guys into the program. He obviously got Kevin McCuller Jr. from Texas Tech, a rival Big 12 school, into the program last offseason. So you've got over a 1,000 players in the transfer portal. It is absolutely flooded right now. You don't know where a lot of these guys are going to end up. All these guys going into the transfer portal think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to another school and it's going to be fine. Some of these guys might not have a place to go. So I do feel bad for some of these KU guys if they don't have a landing spot. But for Kansas, they're going to be able to go out there, get a couple good names out of the transfer portal, bring them in to uh, be a part of this team in 2023-2024. Plus, not only that, KU had a deep freshman recruiting class coming in. So that's part of the reason why some of these guys like Joseph Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford want to go try a different school because they see incoming freshmen that are at the top of this next recruiting class like El Marco Jackson, Chris Johnson, Jamari McDowell. All these guys are highly recruited prospects that should be able to get playing time immediately with Bill Self And they don't think they're going to be able to get an expanded role even if they stayed around. So that's why they're jumping into the transfer portal. But not only do the Jayhawks have El Marco Jackson, Chris Johnson, and Jamari McDowell coming in with this freshman recruiting class. The Jayhawks also recently announced that they're going to have Marcus Adams Jr., who's reclassifying to jump into the 2023 class. Everybody thought he was going to be a part of the 2024 class, but it looks like he's going to be able to graduate early and be able to come in and be a part of this Jayhawks program in 2023. So Self is already kickstarting next year's team, but like I said, he's going to have to dig into the transfer portal to shore up some of this lineup. He's going to have to go out and see how all this shakes out with the transfer portal. But in the long run, you know that KU is going to be just fine. They're the standard in the Big 12. Bill Self is the best coach in college basketball, and they're going to be right there in the mix next year as they're looking ahead to the 2023-2024 season. And I know you Jayhawk fans love college basketball. I know that you guys went out there and rallied around the women's basketball team. But not only that, 
Now you guys have a football team that you can rally around. That's right. It's April, and we're it's early April, and we're talking football now on the Jayhawker Talker podcast. There's some football news. I got to let you guys know. The Kansas Jayhawks have hired Sean Snyder. You guys might know the name Snyder here in the state of Kansas. Sean Snyder, the son of former Kansas State assistant, or the son of former Kansas State head football coach Bill Snyder, is going to be coming to the Kansas Jayhawks as an assistant head coach to Lance Leipold. And this is a very interesting story because Kansas State fans on social media were not happy to see Sean Snyder going to the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, Kansas State had him as an assistant coach a couple of years ago when they hired their new head coach. Uh, Sean Snyder was basically given the uh, said to go out to pasture. I don't know what they were doing with Sean Snyder over there. But they basically told him he was not welcome at Kansas State anymore, even though his dad... Bill Snyder is one of the most recognizable names over the past couple of decades in college football. He turned that Kansas State program around. Sean Snyder became an assistant coach under his dad. And I guess they just didn't want uh, Sean Snyder around the Kansas State program anymore, maybe kind of sitting in the shadow of his dad. I'm not sure what the deal is with Kansas State getting rid of him. But Kansas now is getting Sean Snyder into the program and, of course, this is big for the Jayhawks, um, a bold move by the Jayhawks, getting a former in-state rival coach in-house, and we'll see if it can have a big payoff. Last year, the Jayhawks had their first six-win season in 14 years, hoping to build upon that. And not only that, they're returning 17 of 23 starters for this upcoming season, and that is going to be key for the Kansas Jayhawks. Going into next season, they have their uh, starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who was hurt for half of last season. He's going to be back in full force. He had an incredible bowl game for the Jayhawks, uh, set all sorts of Liberty Bowl records. But everybody's excited about this Kansas football program for what they could do last year to see what they could do to jump and make the program even better going into 2023. So... Heading into this season, you'll be able to get a sneak peek this Friday, April 7th at 7 p.m. This is the KU Football Spring Showcase. It's a free event. It's out there in Lawrence at David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. It's a family-friendly event. There's going to be bounce houses. There's going to be all sorts of kids' activities. So if you want to get the family, go out to Lawrence, uh, see what this KU Spring Football Showcase is going to be like, see what the 2023 Jayhawk football program is is going to be all about, go ahead and do that. Again, it's this uh, Friday, April 7th, 7 p.m., the KU Football Spring Showcase. And I know we go from basketball into football into, we can't skip baseball, though. I, I, I skipped baseball when I should have probably gone right into baseball because it's baseball season now. The baseball season just got underway, and your Kansas Jayhawks have a new head coach, the new manager of the Jayhawks, Dan Fitzgerald, come in here trying to put his fingerprints all over this program, trying to bring in some new recruits. They got into the transfer portal, starting out the season a little bit slow. However, the Kansas Jayhawks just got their first Big 12 series sweep since 2019 over Baylor this past weekend. They beat Baylor 12-4, 13-4, and then a comeback win that ended in a 5-4 win for the Jayhawks hoping to see more of that this season under the new leadership of Dan Fitzgerald it's an exciting time to be a Kansas fan 
of any sport. You've got the women's NIT championship right there in Lawrence, Kansas. You've got the Kansas basketball team always going to be at the top of their game. You've got the football team had a winning season last year for the first time in 14 years. They're looking to expand on that and maybe get to eight or nine wins this next year. And now the baseball team turning it around from one of the worst programs in the Big 12 to getting their first Big 12 series sweep against a pretty good Baylor team, by the way, since 2019. I am stoked about this. I'm very excited about what's going to be happening with the baseball program this year and to see what's going to happen with the football program going forward. So that's about it for today's episode. You can get at me on Twitter. Let me know what's going on at Talker. You can also see some photos and video from the WNIT championship game in Lawrence at Allen Fieldhouse over there at Talker. Also at Mark the Overseer. We can keep the conversation going there. And don't forget to download, subscribe, and tell all your friends that love the Jayhawks about this podcast. My name is Mark Van Sickle. You've been listening to the Jayhawker Talker podcast in affiliation with the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Check out all of our latest articles on the Jayhawks over there at heartlandcollegesports.com as well. And until next time, rock chalk, Jayhawk.